Hello, hello, hello to all of you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talkie, where a Rocky Horror podcast that talks about anything and everything Rocky Horror related. My name's John. And I'm Aaron. And joining us on air this week, we've got Sam from the Junior Chamber of Commerce Players. hey Oh my god, thank you for joining us this week, Sam. So much of our community is very familiar with your work with JCCP. You all put on so many great productions, not just a killer Rocky show, but also an amazing shock treatment show that we were just lucky enough to catch, plus an annual Reefer Madness show that we know is coming up. We also know that a ton of our community absolutely loves your Charlie Chaplin, Dr. Scott character. We got to see it at the last convention. I know you do it at all of your shows. But for those of our listeners who may not be in the know... Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your time with this fantastically weird movie? Sure. Uh, I'm Sam the Hobo, and I am the Irwin Lapsey, a.k.a. president of the Junior Chamber of Commerce Players, Pittsburgh's official Rocky Horror Shadowcast. I started as a member of the JCCP in 2007, and then since then I was vice president for a time, and then just a performer, and now I'm the president since I think 2018. That's who I am. I do pretty much every character as well as a lot of the crew. Being in Rocky Horror this long kind of teaches you everything I guess. Um, But otherwise yeah I'm probably most well known for doing Riff Raff Brad and a Charlie Chaplin Dr. Scott. But right now our cast is actually talking about rehearsing and promoting Reefer Madness, the movie musical. Uh, That'll be shown on April 23rd. And then after that, we're doing a hat show, a hat Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, where we just draw our characters from a hat about 60 minutes before the movie starts. Um, So it'll be a lot of crazy fun times. Uh, But that's what's going on in the JCCP world right now. Oh my god, amazing. If anybody is in the Pittsburgh area, you gotta go check out JCCP. They're fucking fantastic. Agreed. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. We are thrilled to have you on the show with us this week. Now, as customary, before we get started with the show, we're gonna take a moment and ask each other, how was your week? Did you do anything fun? What's been going on, Aaron? Oh! It's been a busy one. It's been a busy week. Uh, had a lot going on that I'm stalling to try and remember. Fuck did I do this week? Your wife. Um, oh. Hey, yo. Uh, this week's been super excited. Obviously, in Rocky Land, we're gearing up for a ton of performances coming up. But non-Rocky Land, I'm actually really excited. As soon as we get off this call, uh, us and a bunch of people from uh, our cast are going to be going out to the casino out in Queens. We're going to go lose a bunch of money at video poker. It's going to be super fun. So uh, if you don't see me for a little while, that's um, that's where you can find me. It's because Meg had to sell him. <laughs> yeah, no. It's very expensive to get back from Queens these days. Sam, what have you been up to this week? Well, aside from all of our Reefer Madness rehearsals, um, I've also been very busy um, with work and life things. Uh, my fiance and I are planning a wedding, uh, so we just actually booked our officiant and we booked a band, and we went and saw the band play uh, last week at a distillery in town. Um, That was a whole lot of fun, 
And then with work, I actually just got a promotion. So I've been doing a lot of great work there and trying to get ready for this new job opportunity. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Go. Love that yeah. for you. Had to make sure the band could play Time Warp? Uh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> that was a really, really nice way of saying, shut the fuck up, Aaron. <laughs> you know. I don't know if my entire family would want to do the Time Warp all together, but we'll see. Well, families that Time Warp together. Um, time Warp no, together. That's nice to say. That's yeah, what they that's, do. That's, that that's is the that defining is. factor. <laughs> What about you, Job? What were you up to this week? Uh, nothing too much yet, because my weeks are basically filled with working and streaming. However, I'm actually in the process of a lot of really interesting things with streaming. Uh, I just applied to be part of what is called the Next Top Streamer, which is essentially American Idol for Twitch streamers. It is run by the same company that gave me $250 because I won a contest of theirs, so fingers crossed that they remember me. Nice. <laughs> I find that out on Sunday whether or not I've made it, so that'll be fun. Your video was Chaos Gold. Oh, thank you so much. It took me five and a half hours to edit because I did it all on my phone for some reason. <clears throat> Good job planning. You gotta fix that process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm also in the process of planning a charity event called The Dadchler, where streamers will be able to go on virtual dates with me, and the viewers at the time will then be able to like donate money, and the winner of The Dadchler will get all of that money donated to a charity of their choice. So they get the hit on me in front of all of their friends, and they could send money to charity. Win-win. Yeah, flirt Beautiful. with me. It's for a good cause. <laughs> your ego exactly so we have a lot of really uh i have a lot of other really cool things that are in the process of being planned but those are just a few snippets of what's going on in john's life self-promotion follow me on twitch twitch.tv slash hi john i'm dad <laughs> all right everyone now that that's out of the way uh i am so pumped to dive into my very first rocky talkie segment <laughs> that would be global news First up, in global news, we have some updates on a project that we have been waiting for forever. We've mentioned this documentary before on the show, and we're excited to see some movement now that the panini bread has calmed down. And sorry, folks, this isn't Rocky Horror Save My Life. If you're still holding your breath on that one, well, try not to pass out. Best of luck. This segment is all about another documentary, this one created by fans over in the UK and announced to the community radar in 2014. Almost eight years ago, Andre Zer and their team began production on a very ambitious Rocky doc titled The Rocky Horror Phenomenon. And this documentary purports to cover everything Rocky, from shadow cast performers to the original movie cast to everything in between. The film has already interviewed a bunch of stars, including Jim Sharman, Christian Lovercombe, the stage legend riffraff that we talked about last week, Nell Campbell, as well as just so many others. We truly cannot wait to see the final film because we know it's going to be killer. For now, the production team is still doing some work on the movie by trolling the groups on social media to ask the community some questions. That's right. A few recent posts from Andres ask a bunch of shadowcasting specific questions. He's particularly interested in how often do you perform each year? What's the average number of attendees at your shows? 
how many regulars come to your shows, and what percent of your audience is people who aren't seeing a Shadowcast for the first time. Andres and everyone working on the Rocky Horror phenomenon are primarily interested in the total number of people involved in Rocky Horror across the world, whether that be a cast member who performs each week, month, or year, and all audience members going to see those shows with some regularity. And specifically, they are interested in your pre-COVID numbers. Though, if your audience attendance or cast size has gone up or stayed level for the past two years, I'm pretty sure they'd want to hear about that too. So, send it on in. So, if you have any relevant info, be sure to send it in. You can message Andres and the page for the film on Facebook. We'll post the link to his questions in our show notes. <laughs> And of course, if you're interested in learning any more about the movie, we'll have the site up for you in our show notes, too. Definitely check them out and consider helping out with some sweet, sweet knowledge bombs if you can. Andre and his team are doing some amazing work, and I'm sure that they would appreciate your support. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this one. Meg and I just love Rocky documentaries, and we are definitely due for a new one. I mean, just the other night... And by the other night, I mean last night. Meg and I sat and rewatched a regular Frankie fan for the, I don't know, 900,000th time. It's just, it's just such a cool snapshot of the community from, I don't know, what, 20 years ago now? Like, I absolutely love that bit. Like, it's cringy. It's totally, like, not what Rocky is anymore. But I absolutely love it. What about you guys? You got a favorite Rocky doc? No, Aaron. I'm a normal fucking person. All right, good answer. Actually, I think some of my favorite little Rocky documentaries are the different newscasts that they do around Halloween time about the history of Rocky Horror in whatever city you're in. Um, I love how they try to put a five-minute segment to encompass all of Rocky Horror while having a show go on that is clearly not showing what they want to show. So you got this strange reporter person who has never seen Rocky Horror trying to explain what Rocky Horror is in five minutes or less. And I think that's my favorite type of documentary. So in New York City, we get messages like once every two or three months of like college students at NYU or the new school or some other like really fancy art centric school who always wanted to do documentaries on Rocky. Uh, And those are always so much fun. Because the kids that come in that record us to talk about Rocky treat us like we're celebrities. And it's so weird because, like, we are all just the most... I I shouldn't say that we're regular people because we are certainly not because we dress up and make fun of a movie. But it's always such a nice, refreshing take to see somebody who, like Sam said, doesn't know anything about Rocky Horror. But at this point, at least wants to learn about it Mm -hmm. and the context behind it and the community behind it so i always love getting interviewed by like the children that go to nyu and stuff i cannot imagine how many film professors at nyu and the new school and abroad have seen a fucking documentary about rocky horror at this point i'm pretty sure some of them could repeat our community party lines back to us yeah exactly Anyway, oh, we, yes. we cannot wait for this film's release. We promise to keep all of our listeners posted as we learn more about it. And moving on in global news this week, we have a very special birthday! 
Oh, Captain, my Captain, Richard O'Brien's 80th birthday was this past week on March 25th. And it's a good thing, too, because we don't talk nearly enough about Richard. We don't talk about Richard. Richard, no, no, (laughs) no. Born Richard Timothy Smith on March 25th, 1942 in Cheltenham, England. At the age of 10, his family moved to New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) Taranga? Taranga? Maybe? Eh, Your guess is as good as mine. Taranga, New Zealand, where his accountant father had spontaneously purchased a sheep farm. God, I hate when I wake up and buy a sheep farm. It happens to the best of us. O'Brien returned to England at the age of 22, having learned how to ride horses, a skill which gained him his first big break into the film industry as a stuntman in Carry On Cowboy. He entered the film world as Richard O'Brien, as there was already a popular actor named Richard Smith. Did he know Go how figure. to ride sheep? <laughs> well, you can't talk about riding the sheep. Uh. That's... Mm. <laughs> After performing in several stage productions, as well as a traveling production of Hair, which he does not have, and then the stage production of Hair, which again he does not have, in London, O'Brien met Rocky director Jim Sharman in the summer of 1972. Then, after casting O'Brien in Sam Shepard's The Unseen Hand and London production of Jesus Christ Superstar, Sharman and O'Brien collaborated on the Rocky Horror Show. Sharman was even the one who suggested changing the name from They Came From Denton High to something a little more snappy. And thus, the Rocky Horror Show opened at the theater upstairs in June of 1973. Around this time, O'Brien and his first wife, Kimmy Wong, who appears in the film, released pop singles under the name Kimmy and Ritz. After the Rocky Horror Picture Show was released in 1975, O'Brien continued to have a successful, prolific career working as a writer, actor, musician, television presenter, as well as many industry jobs. Notably, in 1985, he wrote his one-man review, Disgracefully Yours, and a CD of the song entitled Absolute O'Brien was released in 1998. A musical adaptation was produced in 2006 and 2007, with two different theaters adapting it into a musical. Have either of you seen that? Nope. Disgracefully mm, Yours or no. Absolute O'Brien? Oh, Disgracefully Yours is a bop. Check it out. Is it? Yeah. All right. I've I've always seen the 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 pink CD, yeah. right? Like with the pink cover and whatever, but I've never actually sat down and listened to it. I'm going to have to give that a go. I'll be Disgracefully Yours. It's real fun. After appearing in a few movies, O'Brien became the host of the popular British game show The Crystal Maze in 1990. He left this host after the fourth season in 1993. The show was then canceled two seasons later, unable to stay afloat without the sardonic charm of O'Brien. Or the show just got old and lived well past its prime. Uh, yeah, or the show couldn't survive without O'Brien sprinkling his magical gay sardonic charm juice all over the show. Fuck you. Did you get a new word of the day calendar? Sardonic? Also, it got revived, bitch. Yeah, seriously. In 1974, O'Brien was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Score for The Rocky Horror Show. In 1989, he was nominated for Best Writer at the Independent Spirit Awards, this time for the Rocky Horror Picture Show film adaptation. In 1999, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his work in Dark City, and in 2001, he was nominated for a Tony Award for Revival. In 1998... Richard won the Berlin International Film Festival Award. 
Special Teddy for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and in 2000, he won the Galactic Spectrum Award, which is a once-a-year award that is given to works of science fiction, fantasy, and horror that explore LGBT topics in a positive way. Of course, these are just some of the many, many highlights from an absolutely dazzling career that spans over five decades. O'Brien currently lives in New Zealand with his third wife, Sabrina Graff. It's been a fantastic first 80. Here's to the next 80. And speaking of being one year closer to death... Come... Community, Community news. news. Got him. <laughs> yeah, you, you thought you thought I was just gonna leave it at come. We wouldn't do that to you. We wouldn't leave come everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> because if you're that type of person, please don't talk to me. Yeah, invest in some socks, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yo, shout out to everyone listening right now who's wearing socks. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Up I am. <laughs> First up in community news, this week. We were graced with the fun little nugget of RKOCon 4 news. Now, it's been teased quite a bit on social media over the past few weeks, but we're still very excited to see it confirmed. Fred and Harley are going to be printing their adorable coffin pins to sell at con. Yes! Oh, I'm excited for these. I've seen a couple of iterations of the design floating around. I know we got a first look at them when the Floor Show Ensemble pin was on Kickstarter. But seeing it presented all by its adorable self is just so very, very cool. For those of our listeners who might not have gotten a chance to see it yet, the pin is objectively the most adorable of all the pins that Archeo has released. It's a tiny little time warp coffin. It has a little bit of a twist requires audience participation. Much like the real coffins that we will all one day inhabit, this itty-bitty version is on hinges with a lid that you can open and shut. Unlike the real deal, though, this lid latches closed with a magnet. And that's a little dark. And much like the actual pine boxes that will one day be our forever homes, the lid on this bad boy flips over to reveal the <gasps> spoopiest, spoopiest skeleton ever! Who's a spoopy boy? You are. You are. John, are you okay? We all cope with our mortality in different ways. Ain't that right, viewers? Oh shit, John, you finally watched Shock Treatment? Oh my god, I can't wait to talk to you all about Shock Treatment and how amazing it is, and let's just Anyway, just like my breadstick, these bones will turn any Frank jacket into a 4th of July fireworks display. That's right, folks, the teensy-weensy skeleton glows in the dark. I, uh... I want to make a teensy-weensy joke here, but I, I feel like John's already having, having a time. So this... Ooh-woo-tastic little reminder of our slow descent into eternal oblivion is currently available for purchase on RKO Army's Etsy page for the low, low cost of only 15 doll hairs. That's a steal at only one two hundredth of a franc jacket. But if you'd rather buy the thing from a genuine bona fide 
member of the RKO army, you can always wait to, you know, drunkenly stumble into Fred's hotel room at 7.30 Saturday morning and offer to trade him eight crumpled dollar bills that are very, very sweaty for some reason. The last four sips of whatever's in the cup that you're holding at that current time and a Columbia bow tie you found on the floor. <laughs> Get it? Get it? Bone? Bonafide? Bone? It's it's a skeleton? Bone? My penis is teeny weeny. Bone? <laughs> Moving on. Next up, we've got all kinds of good stuff coming from down south this week. Hey. And the first thing we want to get hype for is Theater Coven Productions' announcement that they're going to be bringing the Rocky Horror Freak Show Noir to their home in Baltimore. Back around Halloween... Theater Coven Productions, founded and run by the remarkably talented Tavon Vizen, started a production of Rocky Horror Freak Show Noir in Los Angeles. This was a circus sideshow-themed shadow cast, where Frankenfurter played a creepy yet sultry ringleader, and the rest of the castle's inhabitants were cast as his ragtag band of circus folk. Production was such a success that the group has decided to bring it to the stage in their hometown. This will be a live, all-black, all-sexy Shadowcast performance featuring a whole bunch of fabulous pre-show acts by local performers Mecca Verdell and Kamal. Theater Coven's social media game is absolutely on point, and they've been filling up our timelines with stupidly hot photos of their L.A. show. So, we're here for it. This show looks like it was such a good time, and we're thrilled that they're going to be bringing it to the East Coast. Right now, there are three performance dates scheduled, June 17th and 18th at 8 p.m. and June 19th at 4 p.m. A, uh, a children's matinee, if you will. The show will be held at the Mount Zion Church of Baltimore, which I just fucking love. I think the idea of doing Rocky in a church is brilliant. So come on out and enjoy this modern twist on a cult classic sure to be the salaciously unconventional, bewitchingly charming, and will fill you to the brim with Antissa. Say it. You would like that, wouldn't you? Theater Coven encourages all its guests to dress up in their best Rocky costumes and vehemently discourages anyone from throwing anything. Because, come on, it is a church after all. If you're interested in checking out this show, we've got all the D's for you in our show nuts. Patient. Patient. Fuck you. Damn it. Ha! <laughs> all right, you parsimian brains. It's time for Sam asks a question. And yes, John, that means we're having a sack snack this week. Yeah, sack of D's nuts. The last thing a steaming hot cup of Earl Grey sees before getting splashed on harder than a high school student playing Fortnite. The fuck? It's a teabag joke, John. So open up wide, boys, because I've got a huge sack snack for you. I need an adult. Don't look at me. And speaking of high school students, I want to talk about entry points. Oh, no, 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 no. Sam, I think we might have to actually, um... You're both perverts. Rocky Horror, entry points. En entry point. Entry points into the community. Their, their first exposure to Rocky Horror. Oh, oh, thank Christ. Okay, so you're talking about the things that new cast members might talk about was their, like, big thing that made them aware of Rocky that... 
that that eventual like the catalyst that got them to go to rocky or to join a cast or any of that i joined cast to hook up with a hot piece of ass i mean that that's a given i i have a feeling that sam's talking on a bit bigger scale oh no i'm not okay hell yes okay this is my kind of snack so my first sack (laughs) (laughs) sitting here with a this kind of snack with a side of kombucha kombucha lips on my dick so my first rocky piece of ass hey guys producer meg here this was just i mean you all know john sorry and that's why it's called a dirty baker's dozen boom sack snack baby oh okay never mind i i think we can go a little bit bigger than that yeah just a bit, shall we? Bigger than these nuts. Sack stack. Woo, yeah. <laughs> John, go sit in time out. You're not my real dad. Oh, Sam, okay, you've been on JCCP forever, both as a cast member and as leadership. What's the stuff that, like, over the years people have said, this is what drew me into Rocky? Uh, It's Rocky. You come for the movie and you stay for the community. But that's first little push that could be a lot of things, you know? Um, it could be fame, it could be perks, it could be glee, it could be the remake, it could be shock treatment, it could be so many different things. Um, but I think the most important thing is that sense of involvement and doing something fun with a group of new and weirdo friends. It's it's a different thing with Rocky because you don't necessarily have to be super talented, you just have to be consistent and try hard. You can use it for a chance to perform more, to do different things um, with your performances, like branching out or just being really good at one specific thing. And that's kind of welcome in all points, I think. And also, it's a way to connect to people from all around the world, not just in your local town. I think some of the best parts about Rocky Horror is that you can go to any major city and probably guest perform with the cast there. Absolutely. It's certainly one of the things I love the most about it. And, you know, having a further conversation on, you know, the mushy stuff in the Rocky Horror community, I feel like, you know, it's a cliche when we say it, but Rocky is for people who don't fit in. It's actually true. At least in my time on NYC, I've seen people who have joined Rocky who you could tell were well-liked in high school, well-liked in college, well-liked in grade school. Never had, you know, bullying issues. They were as normal as you could possibly think of a person. And what ends up happening to them? They don't end up gelling with the community because this was a community that was created for people who are of an alternative lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle may be. And those are the ones who end up finding such prosperous and long careers as opposed to, you know, the popular one. Except me, I was always popular, and now I'm popular again in just a different circle. So I'm an exception to this rule. It's one of the places where being a weirdo is actually kind of celebrated and welcome, and please give us your weird ideas, and let's make this show as weird as possible. I love that most theater productions will not allow you to do such things. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, I mean if you're if you're just joining a local community theater production, I mean it's still run like theater, right? Like your director's telling you what to do. No, 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 you can't wear that. You got to do this. Like it, it's still that kind of thing. But Rocky, Rocky's where you can just let your creative freedoms run wild, kind of thing. And there's something really neat about having kind of a clubhouse for weirdos, like your theater tends to be the place you spend a lot of time at or people's you know rehearsal spaces it's your little area it's your safe space exactly and i mean that's that's what we need more of in the world for sure and it, it it's part of that that really like drew me into rocky you know not just the wider community but also that it's something that has such a rich history such a, a deep past um, I mean, and also it it's one of those fandoms that really rewards obsession, right? You know, now this isn't quite such a big thing, right? Pop culture awareness and just geekdom has kind of gone mainstream, but that wasn't always a thing, right? Like think back of the way that like Trekkies were perceived for the, you know, 80s and 90s and stuff. They were all push up glasses nerds and whatever, but, but Rocky embraces that, lets me let my freak flag fly and, you know, nobody's going to give me shit that I have to collect all of the frank pins except you guys because you're mean yeah i will 100 percent give you shit for that another <laughs> thing that um that i personally have a mantra against is that i'm i'm a big musical theater person i love theater i love being in it but i also think that theater can be extremely inaccessible to just the majority of people and i think rocky kind of really dispels that because you know at its root Rocky Shadowcasting is community theater. You know, it's something that people sign on for. We don't get paid for. We just do it because we like it. And while Rocky, to I think to master Rocky Shadowcasting, there's a level of talent and dedication that you need, but anybody can do it. You know, as long as you have the time and dedication and the want to do it, I think that Shadowcasting, specifically in the Rocky community, helps break the barrier that theater is way more accessible because of it. Because anybody can do it. It also makes a, a good space for excitement. I think Rocky Horror is one of the few places where we encourage people to be excited and show that. In thinking about different cons, like with cosplay and things, you, you want to keep the character face, you want to keep the character look. With Rocky, you want to have fun. You want to see people having fun. You don't want to see hot patootie like, done where people are straight-faced or anything. You want to see people enjoying it. You want to see people enjoying Time Warp. And I think that kind of celebration of being silly is one of the best parts about Rocky Horror. Absolutely. It's it's not just a place where you can, you know, go get fucked up and have sex in the back row anymore. It's it's really about the community. It's also a place where you can go get fucked up and have sex in the back. But if you have a champagne room, that's even better. <laughs> we have a staircase. Yeah. It's a it's it's very narrow. We have a basement. I'm so jealous. I'm yeah. so jealous. But when the newer members of the community talk about their first exposure to Rocky, it's a lot of the same stuff I imagine you guys hear over in New York. The 2016 remake, Glee, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been hearing Glee from new cast members as, like, their first Rocky exposure ever since it aired, you know, back in, what, 2010? Yep. If they're 18 and they're looking to join cast, they were, like, six when that thing came out. And the remake in 2016, that was six years ago. They were 12 you remember what you were like when you were 12 or 6? Oh boy, I, I try really hard not to. So then what was the first thing that exposed you guys to Rocky? So there was this man in the back of a church van. Uh, no, no, no more exposure. 
your Rocky Horror on-ramp. What brought you into the fold? Well, they both involve vans. Did I just call my partner a van? (laughs) (laughs) It was supposed to be an on-ramp joke that it, like, went back to van, but I think it didn't actually really work. All right, well, I started dating somebody... Uh, who is part? Who is still part of the? Uh, hold on, part I was shaking my leg. So I was dating somebody who is, you know, still currently part of the New York City Rocky Horror Picture Show cast, uh, who had drugged me to go see the show. They gave me some of their clothes and they told me to wear them for the show. And because I was trying to get in their pants, obviously I did that. And uh, I had a great time. It was fantastic. And I know that I just said not five minutes ago that I'm a big musical theater person. But up until then, I had never seen the movie, nor have I ever heard the show. So it was a new experience for me. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But at the very beginning, I didn't really care about the show itself. And I just wanted to go and see them perform and support them. Uh, And then that led me to being a fucking bottom and taking photographs for them. And obviously, because I had a fancy camera... All the cast members would be like, oh, my God, if you take any photos of me, please let me know and and share them with me. I would love to, like, post them places. And I was like, okay. So I did that for, like, six or seven months. And then I got a new job, which meant that my old job, which was my previous kind of, like, creative outlet for theater, since I was losing that, I wanted a new one. So then I applied for Rocky, got in, and, you know, five and a half years later, here I am. The classic Rocky Horror honeypot. Aww. <laughs> what about you, Sam? What about me? Um, well, when I was in high school, I wanted to join a friend group that was into all the theater stuff, um, and they said that I need to watch Rocky Horror and read Perks of Being a Wallflower, so I did that, and then once Halloween rolled along, um, they semi-kidnapped me and brought me to my first actual showing of Rocky Horror, where I was just enthralled with the whole mess of it. Um, I loved how crazy it was, how messy it was, and how much fun people seemed to be having. I was one of those people that tried to learn all of the callbacks, and I tried to join cast. I wasn't yet 18, so I wasn't allowed to, but then as soon as I turned 18, I joined cast as quickly as possible. And I'm sure Aaron has some super obscure stupid answer. I do not, actually, kind of. Um, so... I had always uh, seen the Rocky Horror VHS sitting on the wall in my house when I was a kid. My my parents had seen the movie back in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, and they had picked up a copy on VHS as soon as it came out. But it was always sitting on the wall, still in its cellophane wrapper. So I'd always look at it and be like, oh, there's blood and lips on this. It must be a scary movie. So I was too young. I wasn't going to watch that. I didn't like scary movies. And then around 2000 or so, that was like with the 25th anniversary, uh, there was a ton of content that was being pumped out by VH1. I was like a high school freshman at that point. So like I was just glued to MTV and VH1 all the time. And I saw the karaoke special that came out. I saw the behind the music and like I just watched a ton of Rocky stuff on VH1 on repeat over and over that whole year. Pop-up videos. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
Uh, and a few years later, uh, when I finally uh, went off to college, there was a local Rocky cast, and I just was like, oh, I, I kind of have to see this. One of my friends was really, like, interested in going, and I was like, absolutely. Um, she regretted that because she got drugged to, like, three or four shows over the next couple of weeks. Um, and it was super fun, uh, and that's how I got in. I went and uh, met Ruth Fink Winter and said, hey, maybe I want to join this cast. And she said, great, we need an Eddie. And uh, went home over, I think it was spring break or something, and just went to my mom and said, Mom, I need an Eddie costume. And she said, oh, sit down, get out the, uh, get out the sewing machine, let's go to town. And, and that's, uh, that's how I came in. I uh, went, went to the next show after I got back, uh, fully, fully decked out in all of my Eddie stuff. And from there, it was, uh, you know, the start of uh, the next 17-ish years and, uh, you know, still going strong. Called it. I mean, is the 25th anniversary all that unusual? It's the biggest thing that happened 20 years ago, and, I mean, ballpark numbers, that lines up with the remake from 5 years ago, Glee from 10 years ago, and 15 years ago was the height of the perks of being a wallflower craze. The book released rights around the 25th in 1999, and the film adaptation a few years after Glee in 2012. Which... I know everybody out there wants to talk about it. Can we can we talk about perks for a minute? Because I know you have firsthand knowledge all about it. I mean, it's written by an author from Pittsburgh. The movie was shot in Pittsburgh at JCCP's home theater. It features JCCP cast members. So, like, spill, please. Absolutely. So, for anyone not familiar with Perks of Being a Wallflower, high level, it's a coming-of-age story about... You know what? I'm just going to read the Amazon description. You know how to read? No. I actually have somebody next to me who's reading it in an earpiece in my ear, so then I'm just going to recite it. <laughs> First dates, family drama, and new friends. Sex, drugs, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Devastating loss, young love, and life on the fringes. Caught between trying to live his life and trying to run from it, Charlie must learn to navigate those wild and poignant roller coaster days known as growing up. I don't know why he's complaining because he's friends with Emma Watson. Suck it up, bitch. <laughs> I actually sat and watched the movie adaptation just the other night. I hadn't seen it in years, and I had totally forgot that it was Emma Watson and Ezra Miller. Yeah, Hermione Granger and The Flash. I ship it. So, what's the story, Sam? Tell us all about Perks of Being a Wallflower. I mean, where did Rocky Horror even enter the picture there? Uh, sure. So, um, with the book, it's written by Stephen Chabowski. Um, he's a Pittsburgh native um, that actually grew up not far from the Hollywood Theater. A lot of the book takes place in and around the place that we do Rocky Horror here in Pittsburgh. He wrote it about basically his high school life, more or less, um, and fictionalized it a little bit, um, added a lot of drama, and made it almost as if the character is writing letters to the reader. That's how it's kind of set up. Uh, he latched on to Rocky Horror because he came to shows whenever he was younger. He just would come to shows, watch it, and help with different things that the cast was doing at that time and it was something of a safe place for him so that's why he wanted to involve it uh in the book perks is really the the place where his friend group gets along the best the place where 
they have something to do and to work towards the show. They end up making fanzines. They end up creating their shows. I believe in the book, it's monthly shows where each character is represented by a character from the movie. So one of the most flamboyant characters in it plays Frank. Uh, The scared, uncertain character plays Rocky. The, you know, beautiful girl next door is played as Janet. Um, So I think that was a really cool representation and a really cool way of showing how perks of being Wallflower people matched up with the Rocky Horror Picture Show as he saw it in the 90s. That's awesome. And and Stephen, it still comes around your guys' show occasionally. Like, you've talked to him about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, He and I are actually friends. Uh, We email each other, um, which... I don't know about you, but it's weird talking to people you look up to as if they're real people. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's strange sometimes, but he's very, very nice. Whenever he comes to Pittsburgh to visit family, he usually stops in to some of our rehearsals and watches us rehearse. Or if he can, he'll come see a show uh, in which we usually invite him up for the picture at the beginning um, and hang out with him afterwards. Um, I actually got to hang out with him after a rehearsal once, and we drove through the uh, four pit tunnels together, which is really neat. Oh, that's awesome. Total perks moment. Yeah, in in the book, they go through the four pit tunnels, um, and in the movie, they do that as well, listening to David Bowie. However, I requested that we listen to a Bruce Springsteen song whenever we did it. That's very on brand, I approve. Although I have to, Meg brought this up while we were watching the movie the other night. She was like, what is is this group that goes to Rocky Horror and drives through a tunnel and is like, I've never heard this song before. Who's this David Bowie guy? Children, I don't know. (laughs) That's the people I don't want on cast. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the mixtapes, I mean, like, Charlie's never even heard of the Smiths, you know? Right. So, I I don't know. I I guess they were just sitting around listening to the Pittsburgh polka the whole time. I I listened to it all on vinyl, but uh, never heard of this lead Zeppelin band. I don't know. I don't know, but that that David Bowie sure sounds like some guy with, like, space spiders. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. They sound very similar. Oh, Fantastic. It's a, it's a great story, a great coming-of-age story, and I mean, I, I love that uh, it's so centered in Pittsburgh, right? Like, it, it really embraces the setting. Yes, but it's still, you know, representative of any small-ish city where a lot of the suburban kids try to find places to make themselves feel okay and feel welcome in this world. Imagine feeling okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> uh, Chabowski always wanted to make a film out of this story, but it took a decade after the novel was published by MTV Books in 1999 to make the movie a reality. See, Chabowski was pretty busy in the mid-2000s, having written the film adaptation of Rent in 2005, as well as other screenplays and other things as well. But eventually, the film adaptation was produced and released in 2012 to a hugely positive critical reception. Chabowski actually directed the movie as well as helped write the screenplay of it oh very cool yeah that was his directorial debut oh yeah that was his first movie he directed and then afterwards he did some other movies too yeah we don't (laughs) talk about the other movies we don't talk about evan hansen it was all right there steven what did what did why did what did you do (sighs) 
the Rocky Horror scenes for person. <laughs> I don't know why I started so disappointed there. <laughs> Uh, I'm just really mad that the Darren Hitz movie is so fucking bad. Anyway, yeah, well, uh, blame honestly, money. it's honestly it's not it's not even Steven's fault. It's literally it's Ben and Mark Platt's fault. The the movie actually holds up despite the fact that Ben Platt has Five O'clock Shadow as like a Twinkie senior in high school. Oh, I thought we were just gonna leave it at Twinkie. Yeah, also that. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rocky Horror scenes for the Perks of Being a Wallflower movie were all filmed in Pittsburgh, and it even featured members of the JCCP. So, like, what was that like? Like, how did your cast get involved? What was the shooting for that like? Yeah, so our president at that time was Jordan, and he was working as a PA on Perks of Being a Wallflower. And it just so happened that Steven really wanted us involved because a lot of the Rocky Horror scenes had people who had never seen Rocky Horror performing as a Rocky Horror cast. Um, so the JCCP helped, you know, with the floor show, we supplied the boas and things like that, um, and also taught them the steps and, you know, did the chant of step, 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 kick, step, and all of that, um, <laughs> to try and help them out. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, we got to do filming inside the theater where we do Rocky Horror now at the Hollywood Theater that was the place that they filmed a lot of the Rocky Horror scenes. Uh, that's our home and has been our home for a long time. So a lot of us actually are in the movie in the front rows. Uh, we were the ones that were shooting off confetti cannons and yelling a lot of the things. You can actually see me specifically whenever Charlie turns and is revealed as Rocky. If you look over his left shoulder, I'm dressed as Riff Raff, and I'm the first one to put their hands in the air for it. Um, <laughs> you probably wouldn't recognize me, though, because I had long hair at the time. But yeah, so that was really, really cool. Afterwards, uh, we went out with the cast um, and Steven, and we all got some breakfast. It was a lot of fun. Um, Steven still talks to us, um, still asks us questions. Um, I think one of our most fun times was when the cast of Perks came and saw a show. They sat up in the balcony and got to watch one of our shows and kind of gained their Rocky Horror experience that way. Oh, that's so much fun. Just like getting getting to, to bring these A-list actors in and be like, okay, you're in our territory now. Yes. Um, some of the silliest things that happened, though, was Ezra Miller is a very fun person to be around, at least whenever he's in Frankenfurter gear, because I don't know if he had a lot of practice at that time in heels, but he was skipping around, running around, and our theater is not level. So I don't know no. how he was able to do all that, um, as well as whenever Emma Watson was dressed as Janet. She had a small corset malfunction, and we got to see a lot more of Hermione Granger than we expected to see. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, and then she she she's a beautiful, beautiful person and took the microphone and said, thank you all, Hermione Granger has died today. I'm glad you got to see my tits. How could I have been so stupid? But yes, she's a sweetheart, and we got pancakes with her after and said, hey, we've all been there. <laughs> right? Now, that's the true initiation. We, we <laughs> all have been there, but none of us are Emma Watson, so... Right? Not today, at least. Our tip picks don't go for millions. <laughs> no. no, but it was a very nice, um, goofy time where just a theater full of people were told 
when to yell fuck, when to yell certain callbacks, um, so that at the same time you could hear it, you know, heard well and clearly. But it was a lot of fun. I would do it again, but probably with at least a little bit more knowledge as to how these things work, because didn't realize that it would take all day to film just some Rocky Horror scenes. I'm used to being at the theater and just doing the show, and we had to watch Floor Show on repeat for, I think, an hour. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so just like rehearsals. Like, yeah. Uh, this is... It was just like rehearsal, <laughs> where you just watch Floor Show, and you just chant kick, kick, kick so many times. <laughs> I, I honestly think one of the funniest things that I noticed while I was watching the movie, all of their like uh, backstage kind of stuff where they're in their dressing rooms and whatever. I looked at it and I'm just like, man, that's that's a poor representation. JCCP's, you know, clubhouse is way bigger and nicer than that is. Like, but it's they, not they as a, well this, lit. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot of it was filmed at the Hollywood. Um, all of the audience parts all of the Rocky Horror on stage parts and then the dressing room parts were actually filmed in the green room upstairs. Oh, neat. Okay, so I've got a bone to pick with Perks. This kid starts going to Rocky. He hangs out with the cast. There's even shots in the movie of him helping to put together a fucking Rocky fanzine. And he ends up performing on stage. And yet, the entire second half of the movie isn't all about Rocky cast drama. Seems a little unbelievable if you ask me. Zero out of ten, Steven. I mean, the kid's on cast, right? So wouldn't that mean that all of it is just cast drama? Uh, check out the big brain on Brad. Uh, Brad was a total asshole in Perks. No, thank you. Wait, was Brad the closeted homophobic jock? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But seriously, thank you for that whole rundown, Sam. I know details about Perks have crept their way out into the community over the years, but never in such a holistic way. Awesome story. Of course. So, slightly tangential, and not to be overly judgy, but how do we kind of rank these big three entry points that came out, you know, in this millennium? Perks, Glee, and, you know, the 2016 remake. I mean, in, in my mind, they kind of serve different purposes. Like, Perks is a great example of kind of the journey that a lot of people go through, specifically the kind of people that are drawn to Rocky. Glee is more about the message that Rocky contains. I mean, it's certainly sterilized for network TV, but the message at the end of the episode is that Rocky is for those who choose to take part, and it doesn't even matter if, you know, spoilers here, they end up performing just for themselves, you know, without an audience. Like, that's not the whole point of Rocky. And what? The remake is just Costco brand Rocky? Like Glee, the song's still bop, it wasn't poorly produced, it was just not what the community wanted. But I think, as this entire discussion proves, that the community wasn't really the target audience for the remake. It's those new cast members that are joining today who saw the remake when it came out, when they were in high school. And, I mean, I think that, like we said, Rocky is supposed to be the place that is welcoming of the weirdos. I think that a lot of new people to Rocky is looking for a place to fit in, a place where they can be themselves or at least a new version of themselves it's a place to explore um i think really that perks glee and the remake all make that a big fact that whether you like yourself or not there is space for you here 
And I actually want to take a second to specifically talk about the Glee episode. Sure. The Rocky Horror Glee show. I have been asking Aaron to write a a snack segment on the Rocky Horror Glee show for 70 episodes and he still hasn't done it. So I'm going to take two minutes to go over my feelings about it because something tells me that Aaron will never write a part about the Rocky Horror Glee show, which makes me sad. I watched it again last night, and um, yeah, no, still not going to write anything about that. It's good. It is good. It, it, it is, is good. It also, is well done. Meatloaf and Barry Bostock are in the episode, and that's really fun. Uh, so, I love Glee. I love Glee so much. I think it is the most tone-deaf show on the face of the planet. Every single time they do something good, Artie talks about his penis, and it ruins it, you know? <laughs> but... Glee, when it was out, was monumental because it was one of the first times that a show of that caliber had unabashedly queer characters in it. Oh, yeah. When Glee came out, it was one of the first and only times that there was this diverse of a queer cast of a show of this caliber. And this episode is in season two. So it was like right when Glee started getting, like, absurdly popular, and they took a show that was traditionally considered as taboo, and they wrapped the idea of queer culture and a sense of community and identity and belonging into it. Obviously, Ryan Murphy did not do the greatest job at it because he thought that it was totally okay to cast Will Schuster, who is the teacher, as Rocky, to Leah Michelle's Janet, at that point in the show has already had an obsession with him that obviously not even borders on was straight up inappropriate and they thought that it would be okay to cast him as Rocky but just so he could do Tacho with Jamie Mays' character whatever but if we're putting that aside the episode itself is truly fantastic it is one of the better episodes of Rocky because it does something that a lot of major major cable shows didn't do before I think that the Glee episode of Rock, the, the Glee episode of Rocky. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that the Rocky episode of Glee is one of the better presentations that people have of Rocky in mainstream media. And I also think that not only does Glee do this, but Perks and the remake and pretty much any place that has Rocky horror, the actual topic of discussion, the actual subject of it, is the audience. Um, it's about watching it and then choosing to become a Rocky Horror performer. With Perks, Charlie goes and sees the show, sees his friends doing this, and then eventually gains, you know, the 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 gusto to go up there and do it himself. With the Glee episode, it's not about having an audience, it's about being the audience and then choosing to do this with your friends. With the remake, it starts off with Trixie, who is an usherette, who is part of the audience that goes into the movie. Um, I just think it's... Rocky's one of those cool things where it's about the audience and the climax of you know anything that has Rocky Horror in it. The climax of it is when the audience decides to become a shadow cast or to perform as Rocky Horror. Yep. Agreed. And also, when Will Schuster and Emma do Tatcha in Glee, and they have Brittany and Santana watching them, and it's funny because they're Magenta and Columbia in their stage show. Genius. Genius. 
I mean, it, the homages in all of these are just fantastic. Like, Glee really, really nailed it on that one. Although, I gotta I gotta take issue with that one. He says he needs to rehearse Rocky, and he chooses to do Tatcha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if only there was another song in this movie that uh, that Rocky sings during. If only. Yeah. If only. Even if we, like, look into the, the TV show thing, like, I know there was an episode of Cold Case that had Rocky Horror where Barry Boss. Oh, like, yes. And it's kind of the same thing. It's about the audience and the distraction of the, the movie and getting out there and, and doing what needs to be done, which is murder. <laughs> That's an absolutely fantastic episode. If anybody out there hasn't seen it, like, it's probably visually, I think, one of the best homages to Rocky. Like, they shot match scenes from the film, like the camera moves and the angles and stuff, but they do it in that, like, you know, the 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 CSI crime scene kind of way. And it it is it is just fantastic. I absolutely love that. Barry Boswick puts on an amazing performance in it. It's just great. I, I love that episode. The only thing I didn't like about that, that episode was that Rocky Horror, all of the music was played in a different order. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, if you go by Perks, apparently over at JCCP, you go straight from the intro to a floor show. So that must be a short film. <laughs> Yins don't do that? Just the way I like it. <laughs> Saves a lot of time. But those are just the big on-ramps from the last two decades. Rocky is almost 50 years old at this point. I know we can go even deeper into this. What's the earliest example of mass market Rocky exposure? Because it's got to be fame. Back in 1980, I think, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, just like Perks, fame was another coming-of-age story. This time, though, the main character goes to Rocky at the 8th Street Playhouse in New York. If Perks was the on-ramp for millennials, fame was definitely the on-ramp for Gen X. And it was a phenomenon. It won two Academy Awards for Best Original Song and Best Original Score, and a Golden Globe also for Best Original Song. There was even a TV show spinoff in 82. It really was the first big example of Rocky coming to the masses. This was right as Rocky, as a pop culture sensation, was just entering the zeitgeist. Shock treatment was on the horizon. The fan club was gaining worldwide notoriety, and Rocky was the big midnight sensation sweeping the country. And fame shines a giant spotlight on the community. Just like Perks, fame featured members of the local Rocky horror cast. The 8th Street cast from New York can be seen in the film, including Sal Piero, founder and president of the fan club. He hosted and did the famous R-O-C-K-Y cheer, which Perks would later replicate, this time featuring Jordan from the JCCP. Sal Piero tells the story of fame in his 1990 book, Creatures of the Night. So in May of 1979, the casting director for fame called up Sal and told him about this new movie that was planning on being produced. It was centered around kids at the High School of Performing Arts in New York City. They were scouting for talented teenagers, and the casting director and the director, Alan Parker, came to the 8th Street Playhouse on a Saturday night to watch the festivities. That night, there had been a heckler in the audience, and as Sal was doing his pre-show announcements, a heckler screamed out, Get on with the show! To which Sal replied, This is the fucking show, and if you don't like it, you can go see the movie in Staten Island. Which, side note, if I ever get to use that line when I'm hosting, I will die a happy man. 
and the audience loved the quip, and so did the filmmakers. A few days later, the director asked for a meeting with Sal, and was told that he had been able to get the rights to use Time Warp in the film for a sequence where Fame's lead character loses her performing inhibitions at a midnight showing. And he wanted Sal's hosting speech, complete with the heckler, to appear in the movie. The Rocky Horror sequences in Fame were shot over two days at the 8th Street Playhouse. In the audience was a mixture of 8th Street regulars, neighboring floor show casts, and professional actors. Included in this list of extras was Dory Hartley and Sal's sister, Lilius. And in the final film, you see Sal doing his hosting routine, rebuffing the heckler, and leading the Rocky cheer. This cameo cemented him in the worldwide consciousness as the leader of the Rocky Horror phenomenon and the fan club. But most importantly, and relevant to our sack snack, as Sal recalls, Fame exposed Rocky to a huge group of new fans. What was previously a primarily white, waspy audience gained new exposure with Fame's urban, multi-ethnic appeal. It brought a lot of people to Rocky who would have otherwise never been aware of the film. And thus, that kicked off the decade that kind of defined the Rocky Horror experience. Rocky flourished throughout the 80s. The fan club became officially recognized by Fox for the 10th anniversary in 1985, and in 1990, for the 15th anniversary, we had the first ever US VHS release. Again, a very big onboarding point for anyone who wanted to experience the cult film. In 1995, for the 20th anniversary, VH1 first aired Rocky Horror alongside a special hosted by Meatloaf, bringing Rocky into millions of homes that might have never seen the now iconic Midnight Movie. And well, that brings us to the 25th in 2000, and all the stuff we've mentioned already, Perks, Glee, and the remake over the next 20 years. So this is a pretty clear pattern. Around every five years or so, often coinciding with anniversaries, some big on-ramp generally happens. But let's talk about all those in-between years where you're bringing on new cast members from the latest big on-ramp. Keeping a cast afloat, engaged, and relevant requires a lot of flexibility. Yeah, it's the stuff you do within a cast on the local level that really counts. It's the meetings, the rehearsals, booking outside shows, you know, just actively working on costumes and blocking and going out and visiting other casts and just all of that other rocky paraphernalia. And this is where stuff like theme shows, pre-shows, cons, and all the non-rocky movies fit in. Like Shock Treatment, Reefer Madness, Repo so on and so forth. We'll definitely do the occasional theme show here. When you're lucky enough to have talented people on a cast that want to be doing more and they're willing to put in the effort, Rocky, as in the Rocky community, I suppose we classified as the wider shadow casting community, is really great at doing more than just Rocky. Yeah, you guys do a ton of other shows over at JCCP. Meg and I were just over there for shock treatment, and we're going to be seeing everyone up in Buffalo for Shockey next weekend, along with a ton of people from all over the Northeast. A lot of members of the community have been traveling lately. It's been a fantastic engagement opportunity and honestly, a great on-ramp for people who are further along in their Rocky career. The kind of thing that keeps folks around for the next five years or the next decade. And it's been fantastic to see Ian's and everyone else from the community over the last few months, especially after the whole panorama. And there's so much more in store for the rest of the year. I think we've seen very clearly that a big draw for the wider community is outside shows like Shock Treatment and Reefer Madness, and all the shows where casts are collaborating with guest performers. So for anyone out there who has the people clamoring to do things like Shock Treatment or Buffy, 
or maybe they just want to dip their toe into something that isn't traditional Rocky, something like a comprehensive theme night with a choreographed pre-show. What are some tips for anyone who is branching out? I mean, I think that if we're going with a theme show, because Rocky is kind of the guiding point there, it's a lot easier for people to get into doing alternative shows after theme shows. Theme shows can be anywhere between very, very specific, like specifically Disney villains and Disney characters like I know Yins in New York did, to a little bit more broader, like 80s-themed Rocky horror Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. we've done before where we just basically had everyone look like they were from the 80s. They can pick their favorite 80s character, be it a cartoon, a celebrity, whatever else. We did a similar thing with like a punk show before, and I think that vagueness with theme shows allows for more participation, uh, whereas these alternative shows are a little bit more specific and a little bit more more work for the cast to do. Oh, for sure. And I mean, the, the first stage of that, right, is like just getting out there with your idea, talking to your cast members, right? Right. I mean, for us at the JCCP, um, we do other shows, alternative shows, quite a lot. Um, so we kind of almost have a schedule where in um, we'll do shock treatment sometime either in the summer or late winter, one or the other, um, and we'll do repo the opposite of that, and we'll do Reefer Madness in April because of good 420 reasons. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because it's uh, just a good day. Um, it's not too hot, not too cold. It's just light jacket weather, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it now. It's yeah. Hitler's birthday. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I think that with alternative shows, there is a lot more emphasis on either screen accuracy or at least making it your own. Whereas with theme shows, it's more or less just a fun party and a fun way to do Rocky a little bit differently. With theme shows, we've had different things like Batman shows and comic book shows, cartoon shows, where people can be really creative uh, with their costuming, but still follow the same blocking. With shock treatment, it's all different. Everything's different every time. And our props are so big and so different, whereas Rocky doesn't have a lot of big, huge, ginormous props. I don't know. What, what do you do for your theme shows and alternative shows? We don't really do any alternative shows. Honestly, we haven't done a theme show in a while yet either. But I think the reason why we haven't done any theme shows is just because we're settling into a new theater right now. It's getting to the point where literally every other show that we are doing right now you know we're adding on to our lights we're adding on to our props we're trying to figure out kind of like where we sit in this new theater before we can put something together like that but i think that something that is really important especially you know using us as an example is like you got to make sure that you even have those resources to begin with so like mm-hmm. for us right now we don't really have those resources yet for example you can't do rocky on ice when only three of your cast members can skate you you can't do a big pre-show that includes live vocals if you're the only person that sings yep i mean you could but then you're just going to look like an asshole because then everything clearly the pre-show is supposed to be about you and i know we're talking about the rocky horror community here where all of us have the biggest egos on the planet but sometimes we do have to dial it back for the good of the audience and also you can't do a rko size pre-show without rko size numbers Um, you need to make sure that you have the cast enough cast involved in order to do these different shows guesting at shows is great but 
you don't have that time to practice with people um, from other casts. So I feel like a lot of guesting tends to be semi-theme shows as well. Um, it's it's the draw. Um, it's the thing to draw people in. Hey, come see people from a different cast and see if it jives, you know? And bringing up RKO is actually a perfect example of this because we had talked about this when we had Zesty, Zesty Gopher, on our show a couple <laughs> weeks ago when he was talking about Victorious. And me and Aaron were talking about like how wonderful it would be able to pull something like that off here with NYC. But the realism is, is that we literally can't. Like, sure, the theater that they were able to book and rent for Victorious as a pre-show, the video pre-show that they put out is beautiful and wonderful, right? But we literally can't do that in New York City because all of those big, beautiful theaters are Broadway theaters. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to know how many zeros are at the end of an eight-hour booking fee for one of the Broadway theaters, if it is even possible. Seriously. We are we are committed to filming our stuff. If we do video pre-shows, we are committed to filming that shit in our apartments, which I'm not saying is anything is better or worse than what they did with Victorious. Obviously, it's worse than what they did with Victorious, because have you seen Victorious? Uh, every <laughs> night. Yeah, exactly. Every night before I go to bed, I just pop it on and put it on repeat. I fall asleep to it. Same. So that also brings in the idea of, you know, your resources. What do you have to work with that you can use to put on this best, the best pre-show or the best theme night that you're doing? And you have to be really, really creative if nobody has money for those costumes because we don't get paid to do this. And I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't like alternative shows and don't like... I shouldn't say people don't like alternative shows. I think everybody loves them as an idea, but then when they realize that there is more of a cost that goes into it outside of Rocky, especially for something that they're probably, unless your cast is named the Junior Chamber of Commerce Players, you're doing it, it's a one-off. You know, it's mm -hmm. going to be rare or difficult for you to perform that over and over and over again to justify spending all of that money, all of your own hard-earned money. All you have to do is change your cast name to JCCP, and it just magically happens. Oh, yeah. shit, we've been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah, if only you could read. <laughs> I mean, that that's a lot of it, right? It's like, especially if you haven't done a lot of theme shows or outside, you know, or, or other productions out there, like, you, you've got to come up with this idea. You've got to, like, make sure your cast is on board with it, that you have the resources for it. And then you really have to play that, like, logistical game of judging if the payoff is worth the cost and the hassle, right? Like, if you can't get 10 people together to do a Rocky Horror rehearsal, I don't think you're going to be able to get 25 people together to rehearse the orgy for Reefer Madness, right? I mean, if you don't have the budget for props, you probably aren't going to be able to use mirrors for look what I did to my id in shock treatment, right? Like, you've got to really set the expectations around that. And that's not saying that you can't do something scaled back, but you want to make sure that it's cohesive and that everybody's able to kind of participate in the way that they really want to. Yeah, I think a good example of that is um, how Buffalo is doing their shock treatment. Our stage at JCCP Land is huge, ginormous, and we have a place to store all of our ginormous props. The The theater that Buffalo is using is much, much smaller, so their props are much, much smaller, and they look great because it matches the space. 
Yep. It's definitely like finding those constraints and working within them, right? Like that's the classic Rocky, like, what can we do? We don't have boas. All right. What do we got? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that it lends itself like the scaled downness of it lends itself to Rocky because that's how it started. You know, it like when Rocky started, there were no props. There were no set pieces. It was just the people going up in front of the screen and doing their shit. All of that stuff came after. And I think now when you do these alternative shows, there's a level of expectation on how big a lot of them should should look. And when you have big, thunderous productions like Reefer, you expect it to have these like awesome set designs. You have all these people on stage because it is objectively it is a more difficult show to shadowcast than rocky is because rocky was the og it is the og for the reason and then that idea of shadowcasting then spread to different shows so rocky started bare bones all of the others didn't so then Mm -hmm. there becomes an expectation that those shows have to be big and thunderous and full of like these wonderful amazing set pieces whereas realistically like like I said, you got to understand your resources. If your resources are not that big, but you still want to put on the show, it's still feasible. You just have to get a little more creative with it. And there's definitely nothing wrong with simple pantomimes even instead of a replacement, just pantomime it. Because for the most part, a lot of the props involved are one-off props. Um, mm-hmm. You can just reference the weed garden over on stage left you know it it doesn't you don't have to build it you don't have to build a whole thing like that um even with reefer madness i know a lot of our rehearsals right now we pretend like we have our reefer sticks because we're not having all these cigarettes just being crushed underfoot throughout every rehearsal (laughs) you know um and and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because from an audience standpoint the audience is usually pretty far away really um so would they see all these props Eh. and even like shock treatment yes you can do the big giant letters and everything like that but is the giant d-e-n-t-o-n letters necessary i mean we think so but i get it if you don't I mean, and, and this is why theme shows are a great entry point, right? If, if you are hearing us talk about this and you're like, it's so great that you guys can go off and do all of this crazy stuff and all that. I mean, if you just want to dip your toe into it, if you just want to get your cast kind of in this direction, start with something easy. Start with that 80s theme night, that 70s theme night, the, the Pokemon, you know, theme night, whatever it is that gets your cast excited, that people are willing to say like, all right, yeah, I could go out and buy an Ash costume. That's fine. I, I could I could make use of that for something else. I'll do Frankenfurter Pikachu, you know? Like, you can, you can get people on board with some of these kinds of things, and maybe they will find that, okay, that was really fun. What else could we do? Is, is, I, what about shock treatment? You know, you gotta, gotta start small within your expectations, and then it, it will grow. Just like all Rocky stuff, it will grow. And also, I mean, you have to keep in mind the inclusivity. Um, if your theater doesn't have the availability or the the space or, I don't know, the, the rehearsal space even, you got to kind of keep that in mind, as well as can, you know, cast do these things? I know that Reefer Madness has a lot of dance numbers. If you're if you're expecting every single person to be able to do these dance numbers, that's not gonna work. Um, so you just play to each cast member's strength and each you know cast member's willingness to do things. You can't 
expect everything. And I think that's really actually a good way of looking at not only these specialty shows or theme shows, but Rocky in general, um, because I think that that makes way for more people to do it. If we're being inclusive in not just Rocky, but also theme shows and shock treatment and reefer madness, more people will be able to do them and it'll change. It'll be a little bit different every time we do it. That was one of the reasons why I loved our pre-show we did a few years back for Pride. We did Low by Tatra Call featuring Roop All. And for anyone who knows the song, obviously the verses are rapped and then the chorus is sung and the chorus has a very like epic sound to it. So we wanted to do something that was kind of conducive to what everybody was good at who were interested in it. Naturally, you know, we have been known for our more like intricate dance related uh, pre-shows because a lot of the people on the New York City cast are dancers. We have a lot of people who are very good at movement and there are some people on our cast who are not, you know, me included. I can take direction, but I'm not a dancer. So when we put together Low as an idea, we had you know, three dancers, we had Savannah, Adam, and one of our alums, Megan, who were all exceptional dancers and incredible choreographers, who were the people who kind of like led the charge for there. But then the verses, it was like kind of like acting, dancing at the same time kind of thing. And the moves were simplified to be more inclusive of anybody who wanted to be interested in it. And normally, when we do a pre-show, if we have an idea of a pre-show, that preface is immediately at the beginning. Like, we are looking for people who are experienced dancers for this. We are looking for people who are experienced in video editing for this. We are looking for people who are X, Y, and Z. And also with NYC, it's like anyone can pitch a pre-show too. So even if this show, this one that you really want to do is inaccessible for you, there's another one that's going to be coming up the alley that is more your speed. Inclusivity and accessibility matters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, pre-shows are a great kind of middle ground, right? If you don't want to just be doing Rocky, but you're not quite ready to take on a whole separate show, do a pre-show that's a non-Rocky pre-show. It'll really, really kick you in the ass real fast. And like, you will understand how much work goes into just putting together a five minute number or a 10 minute number. And then just that'll set your expectations for if you want to, you know, suddenly do Reefer Madness or Buffy or something like it's that ramped up to 11. You yeah, know? try to put together something like Rocky Goes to Broadway or Once Upon a Saturday Night and, you know, two pre-shows that we have done that we have brought to, to cons that have taken literal months to perfect and then try to see if you can do an alternative show. But even otherwise, um, even the smaller pre-shows, I think, are really important to the community as well as the inclusivity in within a cast because I may not have you know, the ability to do a choreographed number with 10 or 15 people, but I can probably choreograph something with my friend on cast. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how whenever we did our uh, Tick, Tick, Boom pre-show, it was just me and um, Rosie Cheeks. And that's it. We both just liked Tick, Tick, Boom. We thought it worked for the characters and we did it just the two of us. And we showed the director and said, hey, can we do this? And it worked out really well. Um, And I think that's a lot easier for people to get into is the smaller ones and then work up to the big ones. But that's also saying things like, yeah, sure, Rocky may be the OG, but like 
honestly, shock treatment, you just pop in and out and you stand and talk a lot. There's not really a lot of dancing involved except for id. So I, I think that each different thing that we do is important in order to keep Rocky going, um, in order to keep shadow casting going, in order to keep a community where people are just being weird and goofing off going. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about an engagement and these are all great ways to keep your cast engaged. Whether it's 20 people for a dance number or it's you and your friend singing to Paradise by the Dashboard Lights and just having a good time, you're going to you're going to get something out of it and you know, if you haven't tried it, you know, on your cast out there, maybe maybe give it a thought. Yeah, and even if you wanted to as like a little trial thing to see if people are into it, even do it as like a riff on Trixie. As mm -hmm. like, you know, for science fiction double feature, if I'm thinking about doing it, doing an 80s show, maybe I'll do an 80s Trixie and see how that goes over first. And really, then it's it's just you doing it more or less if you wanted it to be. Amazing. I think these are all absolutely fantastic tips for everybody out there. Did we hit everything? Is there anything else we want to cover? No, I, I think this wraps up this week's sack snack. Always wrap up your sack. That is terrible fucking advice. You're a terrible fuck vice. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us today, Sam. I'm honestly just sorry that we didn't have more time to talk about all the other stuff that we've had so much fun sitting down and shooting the shit about in person. We're absolutely going to have to have you back on the show whenever I finally sit down and watch Shock Treatment. You're going to watch Shock Treatment? I mean, no. We'll watch it together. We'll hold hands the entire time. Uh, why do you gotta tempt me with a terrible time? <laughs> and that's our show. As a longtime listener and first-time call-in, I would love to personally thank Jacob for his work on the script and Aaron down in Tennessee for doing God's work as an audio editor and making us all sound like we know what we're doing and hopefully auto-tune me. <laughs> If anyone has a question that they'd like to answer on air for our AAQ segment, ack, back, cack, some community news that they'd like to talk about, or even a cool story to share with the community, we would love to include it on our show. Just go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to tell us about it. And if you want to check out the JCCP, we've got some great stuff going on. April 23rd, Reefer Madness, the movie musical. April 30th, the Rocky Horror Hat Show, as well as so many more things. Of course, all of that will link for yins in our show notes. Aw, oh, you use yins right. Uh-huh. It's because the script told me to. Good job. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. You know, it makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, which helps us to really grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check out the show on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcasts. We'll talk to you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. now. Goodbye. Au revoir. I was a good Tory. So if you have a line, let Aaron take it. Yeah. That's fine God with me. He can take all of my lines. <laughs> Born Richard Timothy Smith on March 25th, 1942 in someplace in England. Thanks. 
How do you say that? <laughs> Cheltenham, I'm assuming. Cheltenham? We going with that? Sure, Cheltenham. Sure. After performing in you fuck one sheet. <laughs> and... <laughs> and something staff writer Jacob feels surprised hasn't been talked about on the show yet. O'Brien has done work on a direct sequel to Rocky Horror, not shock treatment, titled Revenge of the Old Queen of Rocky Horror which was indefinitely shelved after the studio head Joe Roth was ousted from Fox in 1993. Jacob, we have both talked about Revenge of the Old Queen so many goddamn times that it's just mind-boggling you don't listen to the show at this point. And second, it's not called Revenge of the Old Queen of Rocky Horror. It's just called Revenge of the Old Queen. Of Rocky Get your Horror. fucking facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut that whole paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to make a teensy-weeny... <laughs> I want to, uh, wow. god damn it. You want to make it teensy weeny, wow. It, In just seven days. <laughs> at the High School of Performing Arts in New York City. New York City. At the hi- New York City. 